Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Welcome back for episode 87 of Freight 360. Ben, we're recording in the afternoon today, and I kind of dig it. Yeah, a little change of pace. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, hey, welcome back, everybody, for another outstanding episode. We're gonna we're gonna break things down for the the newer freight broker today. We've gotten a lot of requests and a lot of demand for us to do some episodes on uh, topics that are really geared towards newer brokers. So we're gonna talk about three things that you need to be focusing on in your first year. And you know, this is there's some give and take here. It could be your first couple years or your first six months. Everyone has a different situation and whatnot, or different. Uh, path to success. So we're going to get into them today. Um, but first, make sure to hit that subscribe button, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcast, hit that subscribe button. You get the latest shows every Friday morning at midnight and leave us those reviews. We got a lot of good reviews. We're built. It was cool. You know, we're building out this new website and we've got some of the really nice reviews that you listeners have left for us. They're going to be uh, spotlit on our new website. So thanks for for all that and make sure you're referring us to all of your friends in the industry. So that being said, Ben, let's do a quick little sports update here. The NFL draft is complete and um, big takeaways on it. Nothing too crazy from the Buffalo standpoint, other than the fact that the bills drafted, I think the average height of their draft picks was probably like 12 feet tall. No, they're all, they picked massive players. So really excited. You happy? You happy yeah, with I'm what super they happy, ended up man. with? I thought the Bills might have might have uh, traded their 30th overall pick away, or maybe even traded up to try and get a wide receiver, but they didn't. Um, but it's all good. It's gonna be good stuff. You got a pass rusher in the first round. Um, the Derby, Kentucky Derby, was on Saturday. It was yeah. Or was it Sunday or is it Saturday? Sat Saturday. It was that Saturday at about. Seven something PM. Who who won? Yeah. Um. Oh gosh, not the horse that I bet on. It was uh. uh Kentucky twenty one results. Yeah. Would you say Medina Spirit won? Medi- Medina. Spirit. Yeah, Medina Spirit. One hundred forty. Medina Spirit. Whatever how you pronounce it. Yeah. Yep. Number two. To one odds. Like a, a very low ranked. Uh, Manda Mando something. I don't know. Um, Mandalorian Mandalorian. I don't know. Anyway, uh, in baseball, the Toronto blue Jays starting June 1st are going to be in my hometown of Buffalo, New York. So I get to go see my Red Sox play two series in my own city of Buffalo later this year. You guys got a baseball team. We have a baseball. Well, for this year, they played here last year too, but, uh, yeah, they've been playing at their spring training facility in Florida um, up to this point, and now they'll be in Buffalo until the borders open back up. That's pretty um, cool. And then finally, in golf, the first annual Cross Kowalski Golf Classic is going to be taking place in two weeks. <laughs> Actually, I think yeah. it's two weeks from today as you and I um, team up against each other or match up against each other down in Florida. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we got to figure out where we're going to be playing, but I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah. And if Trey, if you're listening, let us know if you're in or not. Yeah. But, uh, well, hey, we'll have to give him a. You're a better good, golfer than I am, but I yeah, have. we'll have to give him a good 
couple handfuls of strokes if he's playing, but <laughs> absolutely for sure. For sure. All right. So before we get into the the topic here, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at DAT, DAT obviously a, a awesome sponsor of ours. So make sure you check out the show notes for links to a free one month um, access to DAT power express or trucker's edge. So whether you are a broker carrier or both, there's options for any of those. So DAT, you can go to uh, DAT.com to learn more about their services, or again, check the show notes out the best load board that's out there. The best overall resource um, load board that's out there with all kinds of great tips and tricks on their website. So make sure you check them out. All right. We just finished up the DOT's blitz week, Ben. Actually, you technically, it's over tomorrow. Is. It's over on the 6th, 4th through the 6th. Oh, yeah. So if you're listening to this on the 7th, they finished it up yesterday. It was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. Um, so if you're new to brokering and you don't know what Blitz Week is, every year, the Department of Transportation, the DOT, does a safety Blitz Week where they hammer on inspections. And what they do is they look at what last year's top violations were, and that's what they're looking for in this year's Blitz Week of Inspection. So to give you a little stat on it, this year's number one focus was vehicle lighting. So that could be like a headlight out or a, a turn signal out or something like that. Marker uh, lights. Lighting everything. made up 12% of the violations in the 2020 calendar year. So um, that being said, if you move flatbed freight, um, you probably saw a lot of these, you probably saw a little bit of a capacity crunch this week because these folks that have been making buku bucks hauling lumber and building materials the last handful of months they decided i'm just gonna take a week off and uh, avoid the blitz which leads to even more of a capacity crunch so ben what have you heard out there from your clients and and folks it's always kind of standard i mean we always used to joke that like all the tenured drivers would always kind of take vacation this week just to avoid it avoid the headache avoid the hassle not because any of them were in, were running illegal or worried about violations they're just like i don't want to deal with it that's my vacation every year like yeah. all the drivers that i worked with that had been really tenured in the industry always took this week off but for brokers, you're never taking this week off because you're losing some capacity. There's some portion of the market that isn't moving and it's harder to find trucks, which means rates tend to go up this week. So likely your load volume covered may have suffered a bit, but you probably made a little bit more on the loads you did cover because you usually get wider margins when things yep. get more difficult. Absolutely. And always remember that it's not a problem, it's an opportunity, right? So these are, these are great times of the year. Hey, blitz week is going to happen every year. Prospect, 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 man. These carriers, these shippers are having the same issues that you're having, which means they're more inclined to answer. Yeah. And even if you're not going to get a load covered for them this week, you've made contact and you get on their list, whether it's just a load list where you get emailed every day or you get a, you know, you get their they fill out their packet or your packet or whatnot. They're in the system. It's one less thing you have to do to start moving freight with them. So, And it's huge. And I, I want to take a minute to just chat a little bit about that. I got to spend um, an afternoon this week and a morning last week dialing with one of my clients. Um, got on, you know, we shared a Zoom session and they were making calls while I was listening to them shadowing. But, you know, there was a period last week where I got on the phone for an hour and I got on the phone for an hour this week to kind of, well, show them how I would go about it. 
And I have never reached shippers with this much ease or any prospect in any sales job in my life. The numbers from last week, I picked 14 phone numbers and just randomly picked, it was lumber last week. And then I picked um, uh, melons this week because they're coming into season. I called 14 numbers last week and I reached eight people, seven of which were willing to onboard me immediately. That's I, insane. That is was, not how it normally works. But blew that my mind. And the same thing this week, completely different industry. Hopped on, same thing. I think I made like nine phone calls. I reached six people and four of which were like, absolutely, we can add you. We'll start sending you lanes over to start looking and quoting now. Everybody needs help. This is a huge opportunity for brokers out there. I mean, you're talking to the carriers. I know carriers are talking to their friends and going, hey, guys, like, we're making really good money. So we're going to see more drivers likely enter the industry because it's very profitable. Guys are making more money than they ever had driving a truck and they should. They've been underpaid for a long time. I think, I, I mean, I'm okay saying that. I think, you know, it's maybe a little pricey in some areas. They'll probably come back down, but we're going to see more drivers. But for that same reason, we're seeing more brokers enter the industry as well. Like you and I had a great call with DAT this week. We were chatting with them about just traffic and people inquiring about wanting to know more about brokerage, wanting to learn more about coaching and yeah. wanting to be able to go. And I mean, this is what this show's all about. This is why we built the brand. These are the opportunities that are at the very least once in a decade, maybe once in a lifetime. Like this is unprecedented what's happening right now. You're absolutely right. And we're going to hit on more of those um, specific situations and scenarios in today's topic. So let's just get right into it. Three things that you should be focusing on in your first year. Like I said, you know, if you're if you're a quick learner, you know, it might only take you six months to to kind of get where you need to be on this point. But it might take you two years. We just kind of said one year to make it a, an even round number here. Um, so the number one thing that we identified, and this is a broad term, but we're going to say education. Okay. There are far too many brokers out there that are uneducated on the basic things. For example, I had a, uh, an agent of mine who just hired a couple operations reps recently. And he's like, they got, they went through some basic like course on brokerage before, um, before he had hired them. And they didn't even know what an MC number was. And I'm like, are you kidding me? There's, there's far too many uneducated people at a basic level in this industry. Cause like we've talked about in the past, the barrier to entry and freight brokering is so low that almost anybody can do it. You could literally have no money and get a factoring company to do your cash flow. You spend like, I don't know, the $300 for your application and you get your bond and insurance and whatnot. But, um, the, there's no requirement to have an education in it. So yep. depending on where you've been hired or if you're running your own company, we think that education is an extremely big thing to focus on in your first year. And this could be basic terminology and knowledge of brokering. This could be having someone that's a mentor or a coach for you or making sure that you're taking advantage of the people around you in your, in your <laughs> office, if you're in an office community, to learn from what they're doing right and what they're not doing so well. So- well, this is a big one. And I know we're focusing in, and we're framing this as things to focus on in your first year. The irony was, and you, we talked about this Friday, I was speaking with one of the larger 3PLs last week, somebody I had done business with for years known, um, you know, multi-billion dollar company. And it, they asked us to put together a training for them on these very things. Like, 
what you and I would consider like the basic foundations, right? I mean, this is a guy that has been in the industry 15 years. I know his team because I've worked with them. There isn't a there isn't a person or a soul on his team that doesn't have three years experience. And they're going to bring us in to go and do some of these very things we're going to talk about on this episode. Yeah. And you know what he said when I asked him, I said, you know, like, you know, is there a reason like are, is there mistakes they're making? He's like, no, I just feel like these are the skills that are really necessary. They're the ones that, you know, even with experience, you tend to get away from the fundamentals. Yeah. But the fundamentals are what matter. So let me give you a reason why people run into this a lot. You, and I think I've used this example in the past. Let's say you got hired out at a small freight brokerage. You're one of three or four people that are brokering there. Um, for the last 10 years, all they've moved is dry van freight. You, know, you, you don't know a single thing about open deck, single thing about reefer. You don't know the first thing about expedite, hotshot, box trucks, sprinter vans, intermodal, any of that. All you know is a 53-foot dry van and the rate in this specific lane, because you guys run it all the time. But what happens when you're prospecting and you land a customer that moves something outside of that realm and you know nothing about it? They didn't train you on it, right? You're not required to, you're, I shouldn't say, uh, you shouldn't limit yourself to only the required training that your company gives you. And that's why we, you know, we've put together and we'll be launching it hopefully in the next month, um, the Freight Broker Basics course, which is um, a introductory to, to moderate level education from cradle to grave on brokerage. And it cover, covers all different aspects of the industry. And it's, it's a thing that a lot of folks don't think about, um, but the demand is there. And that's how, you know, it kind of, it came to us. But I think that basic level of knowledge is where a lot of folks, they, they're lacking in it. And if you talk to a shipper for the first time and you don't know what you're talking about, they're going to smell it out. It's very, it's very right. obvious. And it's, they're little nuanced things that come across just because you know the lingo, you know the language, you know the terminology. That's what conveys experience. That's what your prospects, your customers, that's what they want to hear because they don't want to have to worry about it. They're looking to have their problems solved and to not think about it. They yep. want to be able to send you the issue, the lane they need help, and to know that it's going to be done and be done right, first and yeah. foremost. Absolutely. And just because your workday may end at five o'clock doesn't mean that you can't take a personal interest in your in your job or career field after hours or on the weekend. So if you really, really, really like brokering and you want to succeed, you can't just stop thinking like a freight broker at five o'clock. You've got to take Absolutely. a personal interest in it. You've got to educate yourself. Watch videos on YouTube. I mean, dude, we've got 86 other episodes of this podcast filled with a bunch of free knowledge that anyone can listen to. We got blogs, videos, downloadable resources on our website. And we're not the only place in the internet that on the internet that has free content for freight brokering and, and transportation. Figure cool. out the best time in your day and the best way to consume that information and just learn, learn, learn. You're going to continuously learn throughout your career if you're going to be good. But that first year when it's make or break and it's sink or swim and you're going to either succeed or fail, this is the time to be on top of your game and learn and absorb as much as possible. And it's with anything, right? If you think at anything that you're good at, it involved what? Practice. It involved yeah. allocating time outside of playing it. We're talking about golf. I mean, it's, a, it's an easy analogy, but even the best golfers in the world, why do they remain the best? Because they're practicing more than their peers yeah. in anything. I mean, if you're talking about an instrument, if you're talking about a sport, a profession, I mean, that's why industries have continuing education requirements in them to make, make sure that people are doing it right. It's, it's so, 
It's so seldom done in freight brokerage that by doing this, it gives you such a tremendous advantage. You would be amazed yeah. just spending an extra, even you just figured out an extra two, three hours a week spread out over seven days to go and learn some more practice things, go and get some more insight, spend some time with hopefully some mentors that you have in your own company or just people that you're surrounded by, maybe some folks in your office, yeah. go spend an hour and sit with them. Say, hey, do you mind if I just listen to you make some calls? Do you mind if I listen to you maybe hustle to go get some trucks and just try to pick up some of these nuances that they have found? So one of the, uh, I'm going to give you an army analogy here because this is something that I, I did a lot as a company commander in the army. Every one of my soldiers, and I always kept myself to the same standard, is whatever level that you're operating at, whether you're at a platoon level or a company level or a battalion level, I always wanted the soldiers to understand their level and two levels up, right? So they'd have to learn. So let's say you're in a, uh, a platoon. Well, you should definitely understand what your platoon does, but you need to also understand what the entire company does, all the other platoons in the company. And then what does our battalion do and all the other companies in our battalion? So relate that to a broker. Let's say you're new and you're a carrier rep, all right? And you're on a team that has a, you know, a sales team leader or whatever, and you've you got a, a, a broker there that's got a, a handful of customers, right? Understand that brokerage side of it and that big picture, and then go a step above that. Look at the, the entire office, right? You should understand how, how does the billing process work? How does the invoicing and claims process work? What happens when there's a, a, a chargeback on, a, on an LTL shipment? You might not be dealing with it you know, day in and day out yourself right now. But if you can be that person that has one step ahead of that, you're one step ahead of everyone, everyone else in your office, that will set you up to be the successful broker. Well, it also gives you, it also gives you insight into why things are working and why things aren't working. And it's also one of the reasons why in tandem with our course, we're launching the group coaching platform, which is going to allow you know, we know a lot of people are working from home. We know not everybody is back in the office or is even going to be back in the office ever. So the the fundamental reason behind the group coaching was so that you can learn from your peers. Well, whether or not you're involved with our group coaching or not, if you're working with a company, there's likely somebody that you can jump on a Zoom with or jump on a virtual meeting if you can't do it in person, but you want to start exposing yourself to these things. And yeah. in particular, like freight brokerage, like you said, if you're just brokering and you happen to work for a company that is just like you're just a customer facing role, like in a pod model, where that's all you do is work with the shippers, I would suggest you do whatever you can to spend even an hour a month or whatever time you can with maybe the folks that are covering loads for you. Find out what they're running into. Find out what the carriers are actually telling them so that you have the context when you go back to your shipper and say, yep. I can't get a truck on this load. You, it's not just a no, it's no, and here's what we're hearing. Because then yeah. they have the ability to come back with the solution and go, okay, do we want to pay more or not? It's not just a no there. So I think where you mentioned folks working from home. So I see this in the agent world so much. And um, luckily, a lot of my agents, I have a relationship and a rapport built with them where they will reach out to me on a regular basis to, to take care of this. But you're working at home. It's like you're on an island by yourself. You have tunnel vision. All you think about and know about is what you are doing in your day-to-day -day business, right? Something pops up that you don't understand. Do you try to figure it out on your own? Or do you maybe call someone that, that can help you out and kind of give you that mentorship? And I get folks that call me all the time because they deal with a specific niche and they're like, mm, my customer has a request for this and I don't 
I don't really know the first thing about it. What should I do? I had somebody a couple weeks ago that didn't know the first thing about how to quote door-to-door rail service. And there are rail brokerage companies out there. So like Loop, which is part of the, used to be Streamline. It's a Union Pacific, right? Or Ship CSX, which is for CSX. They offer door-to-door and you can use them to, to quote your intermodal, intermodal business. But if you didn't ever have exposure to that and you didn't ask anybody, you would have just told your customer, oh, I can't do that. Yep. So um, the same thing happens all the time with the expedited world, um, air and ocean, right? I've got a lady that's moving ocean containers right now and we're using a forwarder to be able to do that capacity and be able to meet that uh, requirement to move the imported and exported goods because you can't do it as a, just a domestic freight broker. Yep. But we figured it out as an organization. So that's why she made the joke. I put the worldwide and Pierce worldwide logistics. So I like that. It's huge, man. I, I think it's so crucial. But circle back for a second, like your army analogy. It's the same thing. I, I was going through that with another another client of ours that brought on some newer agents. And what we were doing is we were running a training on like, what actually happens with freight before it gets to the truck? Like understanding what is going on in our national supply chain. Yep. Like yep. there's a large percentage of it. We all know our goods aren't all manufactured in the United States. There's a large percentage of it that is coming in from overseas. Well, most of what is actually on a truck first arrived from a vessel on a boat and then was on a different truck in a container, then got to a DC, then got on your truck, then maybe went to your customer. But understanding how that network works allows you to understand where the opportunities are and where the issues are that you can then go and provide solutions. Absolutely. So not to beat a dead horse, but education, you can never get enough of it. And definitely in your first year, when you're first getting started off, learn as much as you can, get people in your corner that are like-minded and that you can learn from. So, and yep. stay, stay tuned for our, our upcoming Freight Broker Basics course, as well as our group coaching opportunities. We've been, people have been knocking our doors down, asking when it's going to start. So it's coming soon. soon, coming soon. Final touches. All right, next, the second thing we want you to focus on and this is, I'm going to call it customer acquisition, but it's really just customer, it's customers, right? And it's not just prospecting because um, I wrote acquisition, but it's, it's more than that. There are um, developing your relationship with existing customers. This could be prospecting new business. This could be um, getting additional lanes out of an existing customer, learning new sectors of the industry. Like maybe you're just doing open deck and you want to learn more of the refrigerated or temperature controlled market, or you want to get into that intermodal world or the drayage world. People ask me all the time, what do I do with drayage? You know, learn, you gotta, you're never going to perfect it if you don't start. So the customer side of the house, Ben, and talk to me about this because you do a lot of this with coaching. Um, in that first year, do you ever get folks that, or I guess what, what makes, makes or breaks somebody with the customer side within their first year? Is it the number of calls they're making? Is it just their, their follow-ups, their uh, willingness to try new things? What does that look like? So I would say those are the three and how they're correlated is one is the activity. It's how many touches are you putting out there? How many calls are you making? is first and foremost. And I would say that's true, not only in freight brokerage, but all sales. I manage yeah. a lot of sales teams. I have a lot of colleagues that are managers and district managers and CEOs. And if you look at anybody that is basically 
getting worked out of a sales team as in like, Hey, they're, they're getting, you know, possibly going to get their, you know, walking papers. Oh, I've almost, I don't think I've ever seen this. I've joked because there's one person I've ever seen be let go from a sales job that was making the activity. And that person is killing it in another industry, but literally every other person I've ever met come across or helped, you know, a, a manager oversee is if they're not closing customers, it's usually, it's almost always because they don't have enough numbers. They're not making enough activity. Yep. They're not calling enough, followed second, closely behind with following up. The averages tell you everything. The average customers are closed between eight and 12 touches. In our industry, we call those conversations, eight and 12 conversations. But the average rep or the average broker gives up after two. And I it's know a like, lot to give up after one. <laughs> one. And I've had that. And I mean, it's it's okay. Like a lot of our listeners and a lot of people were, that are out there, they're new, right? And that's what we're trying to drive home is don't expect to make one or two phone calls and get a shipper. Expect to reach out a half a dozen to a dozen times and then maybe call it a, a dead lead before yep. you even reach that. Now, the caveat is right now it is very tight. And I know we kind of made a joke earlier, but the, tr the reality is, is I was able to kind of do that in the past week or so. That is not the norm. The norm is you should be making 50 calls a day. You should be doing that four to five days a week to consistently be ending up between two and 300, closer to three, even closer to four, if you really want to be successful in this industry. Yeah. And again, these aren't all, it's not 400 new prospects. A lot of these are follow-up calls. And to give you a little motivation there, think about the stats that you just gave, Ben, about last the last week or so. Um, 14, I think it was like 14 phone numbers. And 14 and phone calls. Eight answered, yeah. which is ridiculously awesome. And then seven set you up. Like, dude, you betted, you bet in 500. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's that's about uh, 10 to 15 X what you would normally see on a good day for somebody. But this is the time to start doing it. And that second phone call is always way less intimidating than that first phone call because you've talked to them. You know their voice. They're going to remember you, hopefully. It's not just a cold call now. Now it's a, it's a warm follow-up. Well, so. that's what you're playing, right? Like you're playing into that. So like, look at them as opportunities. Like, hey, every time you get a chance to it, be like, look as an opportunity to build a little bit more rapport. My favorite way to explain this is dating, right? You wouldn't expect to take somebody you've gone on two dates with home to meet your parents. There's just like a reasonable social assumption that like you kind of need to meet them a dozen times before they make that or whether it's a half a dozen or wherever that is, yep. it's more than two. So it's very similar. Like even if you have a great first call with a prospect, they still know it was only one conversation and they're like, yeah, you know, I just don't know this person that well yet. You need the frequency as well. Absolutely. Can't agree with you more. Um, the other thing I had in there too with customers is don't feel, and this goes back to the education when I talked about is learning and exploring new avenues. Don't feel like you're stuck in a certain sector of the market or a certain niche just because that's all you've been exposed to. Try different things. Ben, you did this at your at your first brokerage that you worked at. You've told the story before is you went after the things that other people weren't because you knew it would limit your it would lower the competition. But you had to figure out that entire new was it the the federal or the government side, right? You had to so, learn. Yeah, it was government. Then it was international, which became Dreyage. But that was yeah. exactly it. Like you had to learn it all to be able to 
because there's a barrier. There is a barrier to entry. That's why not everybody is going at it because you have to spend time outside of your eight hour day or nine hour day to read and learn how it's structured to be able to participate. That's the barrier. Yeah. If you're willing to do it, it opens doors that other people aren't willing to go over to open. Yep. And the same, I want to I want to relay that over to not just the type of market you're prospecting, but the way that you're prospecting. And I've told this story before that um, I, at a previous company, found different ways to find leads and contact them. I would, you know, find alternative methods to do that. And one, I was one of the first ones at that company. I think I was the first one that started using text messaging as my primary method of um, like e- either first touch or second touch, right? I would shoot someone a text. Hey, I'm going to give you a shot. It's Nate over here. Yada, yada. I'm going to give you a call later. Or, Hey, I just, I just tried calling you. Um, let me know if you have time, but that, that text message methodology, you know, it's like 99% or more of text messages are read. Whereas voicemails and emails actually listened to or read through is way lower. So I think, uh, get creative and think of different ways to reach out to connect with and converse with your customers. It's going to help build relationships. And and the touches and incorporates that, you know, so when we're talking, you know, I, 10, 11 touches, like call somebody, then send them an email the next day, then maybe send them a text message, then maybe call them the next day, like mix it up, see what is effective, try other things. Yeah, dude, I've even used Facebook before and I thought it felt kind of weird that it was like, oh, that's someone's personal space and here I am in a, in a business setting, but some people, they, they dig it because they can look at your page and see like picture of you and your dog or your family or whatever. It just kind of, you know, takes a little bit of that, uh, that roughness off the, the first touch. So good stuff on customer stuff. We, you know, we got a lot of episodes previously that we've talked more on specifics on prospecting and follow up and all that stuff. Um, but just make sure you're focusing on that, that customer side of the house for a very, you know, very heavily in that first year, because you can't make a single dollar of commission if you don't have a customer to move freight for. There's a great, there's a great book that I think does a really good job at outlining a lot of different ways of going at this. And it's, um, Chet Holmes is the author. It's called The Ultimate Sales Machine. And who Chet Holmes is, was one of the sales guys that worked, I believe, for Charlie Munger. So, I mean, like really kind of profound guy, did phenomenal things in the sales industry um, and great book. I mean, worth checking out. You are, you're always giving us uh, book recommendations. I love it. <laughs> All right. So like I said, you can't make a dollar of commission unless you have a customer move freight for, which leads me to number three, your carriers. You can't make a dollar of commission unless you have a customer to pay you and a carrier to haul the load for you. It's that simple. So your carrier relations, and this is, it's one thing to, you know, look at just finding capacity. That's great. But I'm talking I want to go deeper than that. This is where you can really succeed. I'm talking about building up your carrier network. Even if you aren't going to use them right away, get them in your system. Set some kind of um, introduction, quick call or email just to introduce yourself and let them know the kind of freight that you're typically working with and get to know what their capacity looks like, where their preferred lanes are, their equipment type, all that stuff. Okay. And um, the other thing here, and I'm going to tell you a little story about this past week and what Blitz has done, um, making out calls to carriers instead of just doing the 
post and pray method. If you don't know what post and pray means, it's where you go on the low boards and you post a load and you just pray that a carrier's going to call you and you know, just haul for aggressively you waiting for your phone to ring, <laughs> right? Yeah. So making out calls, right? Um, so here's the story. The, uh, an agent of mine signed a new customer like it was like Tuesday or no, like Monday night. And they gave him, they like went to dinner. He's a local in the, I think the Houston area. And he like goes to dinner and has drinks with these guys. And they're like, dude, I love what the operation you're running. Like we actually, we're having a tough time right now. Like we got these three to go out tomorrow. Can you get these moved? I need flap ads. And he's like, oh yeah, I got you covered. And then now thinking that it's like blitz week and everyone's off the next morning, he's like, Nate, I have no idea how I'm going to cover these three loads. It's brand new customer. <laughs> I might've just lost them faster than I closed them. And I was like, no, let's think creatively here. And I was like, I was like, did you look at um, the, have you looked at our TMS and seen the coverage from the last 12 months or the last 30 days in that lane? He's like, no. So we did that. And then I said, have you used the directory on DAT? He's like, what's that? I'm like, okay. So I hopped on a screen share and I show him just for like five minutes, go to DAT's website so like I use debt power at the top, there's a directory button. You can go in there. You can search for trucking companies. You can do um, maybe you want to pick your origin or your destination for a backhaul purpose. You could pick the equipment type fleet size, pick a radius around those locations and boom, we got a list of like 184 carriers within uh, flatbed carriers within like 50 miles of his pickup. And I was like, dude, there you go. Smile and dial, baby. Start making the out calls because they're not going to post their truck. Oh, yeah. They don't need to. They can sift and just look through loads that are available. Here's the, here's the pro tip for that. The he only got tip, two of the three covered, but he kept his customer happy. The, the pro tip for that is if you don't find them there, call the other end. Yes. Yeah. Call going the, through that uh, with somebody delivery. this morning, actually. They had, a, they had project freight to upstate New York in an area that really has no loads coming out of it. It's like, I just don't understand. Like, you know, I've got a 120 load project. It's going to be done over two months. We can't get anybody to accept it. I'm like, well, give them what they don't have. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what are they all complaining about? Well, they're complaining because they don't know where they're going to get loads coming out of upstate New York. I was like, well, what do you have the ability to do that they don't? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, take a minute and think about it. What are they asking for? He's like, loads. What are you supposed to be doing three, four hours a day? prospecting for loads. Let's prospect where you have a problem. And the, the idea that is when you're prospecting, you're leading with the fact that you really could have trucks there. And that's exactly what we did. I'm like, hey, call these people and say, look, pull up a list of flatbed freight commodity wise and say, look, we're starting a project next month. We're going to be sending 120 trucks to your neck of the woods. Do you have any loads that are going back here? I can make it work for everybody. The truck wins, both shippers win and the broker makes more. Yeah, that's awesome. Think about that concept, a broker doing more than just moving a, a moving load. a shipment, point a actually point solving problems and being that logistician. That's good stuff. So one of the other things I wanted to know here with the carrier relations is, is um, your utilization, right? Don't treat your carriers like they're one and done. All right. Like you just That's said, huge. Ben, having that, having that full problem solving mentality of I'm going to find you shipments to backhaul you so you can get back to your home domicile, not just leave you stranded in upstate New York. 
And what you said is big. Like when you just jumped into this topic, you said a lot of really interesting things where every question you asked was a question that would serve the carrier, not the broker. And I think that's an important distinction. Most brokers just ask for what they need. Never take the time. One, and Dean talked a lot about this on our show when he talked about putting himself in the driver's seat, right? Nobody ever asks how the driver is. Nobody asks if he's fresh. Nobody's ever asking the dispatcher how their drivers are doing or how they're doing or what they need or what lanes they're trying to work through. We just assume that and we just ask for what we need. Do you know how far that goes in and of itself? Can't tell you how many. I mean, dude, we talk about this all the time. I think out of all the freight brokers that are out there, I'm going to try to give you percentages, 50% are probably just uneducated and they need some education. It's that simple. They need to, they're lacking just basic knowledge. The other 50%, I would say um, the majority of them think about their customers more than anything else. Whereas the smaller percentage that are like the top producers, they they think about the carriers and the customers. Yep. And they are, they get carriers to, haul their loads when capacity is tight because they'd rather haul for them than some other Joe Schmo. It's that simple, you know, and customers that will give them freight, the customer that will, if an issue happens, right. And, um, you know, they could end up losing money on it. The customer will be like, you know what, I'm going to work with you on this one because you've helped us out. You've always gotten good trucks in here. It's just, it's a big full circle, man. You're not, you're not just trying to be the lowest price and bid and get a a load covered and, and all that. You got to, you got to really treat everybody, you know, like and your job depends on it because it, it, it does. And, and, and another yeah. simple one is, you know, even if you are doing a lot of transactional right now, then just ask another question like, hey, I know I just found you on the load board, but do you guys load here often? <laughs> you would be amazed at how many people don't ask that question. You ask that question and the dispatcher's like, yeah, I'm here every Wednesday. Well, guess what happens next week when you're talking to your customer Tuesday? You can ask them, do we have that same load going out next Wednesday? I know it's pretty likely I'll have a driver there tomorrow. That just got you another load covered without having to post, pray, yep. call out, and do all these other things. Yep. Asking Absolutely. that these simple questions, right? I dig it, man. So that's it. That's our, that's our three things we want you to focus on if you're newer. and Or maybe if you own a brokerage or your sales, sales team leader, help your new folks to focus on these and help them to grow. It's education, customers, and carriers. It's that simple. And I want to leave one last thing on the carrier side is I think it would do, and most people can do this. Even if you are just a sales rep facing the shippers and you don't cover loads, I think if you have a difficult lane or you're getting frustrated that maybe your carrier team isn't getting you capacity right now with the market we're in, jump into DAT, pull up, search a truck, Call five of them, call 10 of them, and just listen to what you're hearing because that's what your carrier team's hearing. At least then you've got some more information and context and you can understand what is going on a little more behind the scenes. It's only going to help everybody and all of your relationships. Absolutely. Now we understand that uh, most of you won't actually take action on these items, but that's okay. That's why we give the information away for free because we know that most of you won't. Fair enough. (laughs) But hey, I mean, it's a good segue. That's why we like doing it. Exactly. And a segue from capacity right now, our, our friends over at Lean, everybody's looking to be able to scale with the increased demand. Everybody's looking for more resources to either bring on more sales reps or more help being able to book loads 
or maybe just help handling processing. If you are, I mean, reach out to Lean, Lean Group Solutions, whether it's marketing or IT, sales, or you just need more bodies in there. It's a great, it's a great way to be able to keep your costs down, but keep basically be able to keep the same service without having to pay the exact same amount. They have great options out of Columbia. Reach out to the folks over at Lean. Links are in the show notes. Leangroup.com, Lean Solutions Group, our buddy Trey. Trey, if you're listening, let us know if we're golfing with you in a couple of weeks. All right. I got three Q&A questions here, and we're going to get through these fairly quickly here. So the first question is, what are your thoughts on prospecting in Hawaii? So for those of you who don't know basic geography, Hawaii is a set of eight small islands in the South Pacific Ocean or is it South Pacific? What would you call it? The Pacific yeah. Ocean, right? And um, yeah, so I actually, I was in Hawaii in 2019. And it's funny because I was like looking around as we landed in Oahu and I'm looking at like forwarding companies, trucking companies. And I was like, I never thought about brokering in Hawaii. And I had an agent actually later that year ask me about um, how, to, how to move freight to or from Hawaii or within Hawaii. So I'll tell you this. Here's what I found out. The majority of inter or intrastate Hawaii moves. So that means that they're um, either Hawaii, just Hawaii. on one of the islands or you know, island hopping. They're mostly owned by, um, dir- they're directly managed by asset-based companies that are already within Hawaii because it's so small. It's very unique. Now, that being said, there's a lot of freight that moves into Hawaii from the mainland. And there are... Um, forwarding companies that you as a broker can ship outbound to Hawaii. The same goes with like Puerto Rico or some other I island. think Matson is the only one or one of the only majors that has the direct line to Hawaii. Yep. Matson's a big one. Yep. yep. For sure. But so whether it's Hawaii or um, it could be Alaska, it could be Puerto Rico, DR, you name it, right? If you've got some of those don't be afraid to say, you know what? Yes, I can do this and build a relationship with a forwarding company that has good capacity. And they'll tell you the, the um, selling schedules. You know, hey, every Tuesday and Thursday, seven-day transit, um, you know, we've got ships moving outbound from um, LA to Hawaii or whatever. So it's um, good luck actually um, trying to move Hawaii to Hawaii freight. Cause I think there's eight last I checked licensed brokers that are licensed in Hawaii. Um, very small amount, uh, but they're probably moving whatever that leftover freight is. That's uh, yeah. It's, and there's also a six hour time difference from the East coast and three hours from the West coast. So good luck. All right. Next question. Um, this person asks is 50. It's a straight commission is 50% a good commission for a position at a new brokerage. What we don't know is, do they have experience? Is there a non-compete? We know there's no salary. Um, I will tell you this, a brand new brokerage, it depends on what their background and experience is. Do they have good quality carry relationships from the past and customers and all that stuff? Um, But if you have no experience, 50% is pretty damn good for somebody that's going to get possibly trained on how to broker and take risk on themselves with no base salary to come in there and hustle and grind. That's good. Now, um, someone goes to start a brokerage, you're a seasoned broker or agent, and they're going to offer you 50%. No, you should be making at least 70. 
All right. Next question. How different are reefer shippers from flatbed? Well, let's, ben, start with what they, let's start with what they have in common. Yeah. They both have the same number of wheels. They both pick up in one place and deliver at another or many other and places. And they're, they're, uh, they're hauled by a uh, tractor, the same kind of... Yes. Other than that, they're completely different. Wildly um, different. So we had an episode on flatbed freight in the past. I recommend checking that out. Um, open deck freight uh, involves the elements of the weather. Um, also the way you have to secure your freight, such as tarps, pipe stakes, straps, um, dunnage, all kinds of stuff. Whereas, uh, reefer is way more focused on temperature controlled, right? So you're going to be dealing with typically a little bit more of an expensive rate. Cause there's more, more that goes into the actual cost to operate that reefer unit. There's also, you've got to learn what continuous versus cycling settings are on a, on a reefer unit. Um, you've got to figure, you got to think about the amount of claims to go along with that. So like berries, air, strawberries, air shoots is yikes, all. Dude. I, I think the most simplest way to look at it is what do each of these provide? Like, and as it relates to the freight, flatbeds benefits are, it allows you to load very big, heavy things from easily. the top or from the side easily. It allows you to wheel things up onto it. It, there's a lot of benefits. What is a reefer's benefit? It has the ability to protect whatever you're shipping from the elements and, and it has the ability there. to protect them from temperature changes. Those yep. are your two fundamental differences. Yep. Look at you breaking it down, Barney style. I dig it. So that's it. That's our three questions. That's today's episode on the, the three things that you've got to focus on in your first year or so as a broker. Uh, here's what I want to I say to the, the community out there is, We've been getting a lot of questions for um, the Q&A and we, we would love some episode topic requests. We've gotten a lot and some of them, they just won't, won't apply to a big enough audience. So we, we didn't, haven't done them, but um, let us know. You can email us at, at info, I-N-F-O at freight360.net. That way Ben and I will both get your email. Um, again, that's info at freight360.net. We're going to have a contact us form on our new website. Luckily, it's going to be way easier. And if that one bounces back, because I'm not sure info's live right now, Benjamin or Nate at Freight360.net. Will <laughs> Thank both God we're, we're upgrading. Our friends over at Lean are taking care of us with a new website and helping us out with all that tech stuff. So love it, love it, love it. Well, cool. Upcoming. Um, we'll have another episode next week. And then the following week, we'll be, we'll be broadcasting together in the same location in, in sunny Florida. I cannot wait. So I'm excited. Yeah. Try, we're going to try to get Trey on there and talk about the, uh, um, how to get, how to start bringing agents on and what that looks like. We'll see if we're going to do that episode or not. So any final thoughts, Benjamin, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Until next time with these new draft picks, go bills. That wraps up this episode of freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.